Welcome to Econ Cafe 2020-21. I'm Mike Mandel, author of the textbook Economics the Basics, and I'm joined here today by Michael Bay and Jeff Prince, co-authors of Managerial Economics and Business Strategy, which is now entering its 10th edition. Very impressive, guys. Thanks very much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Good to be with you. We're going to be talking today about price discrimination in the COVID economy. Price discrimination, of course, is a bit of a mouthful. So, uh, Michael, why don't you start off by telling us what price discrimination is? Sure, Michael. Price discrimination is just the practice whereby a business charges different consumers different prices for the same product. So explain a little bit more. Give me an example. Yeah. So, for example, you, 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 you might imagine a situation where you go buy a car, for example. And you go, you go to walk to the car dealership and they've got a sticker price for that car that, you know, might be $45,000. And very few people might be willing to pay exactly $45,000 for the car. So a good car salesman is going to size you up, figure out how much you're willing to pay and say, aha, Mike Bay is the type that will only pay $40,000 for the car. And they negotiate a price of $40,000 for me. They might look at you and say, man, you've got this great podcast. You'll pay $44.95 and they'll charge you more for the car. Jeff Prince, they see him walk in with a couple of kids and they say, well, maybe he'll only pay $40,000. So they size people up and, and charge different prices. And that's an example of first degree price discrimination where you're tailoring the prices to the characteristic of each individual consumer that's attempting to buy your product. So you say first degree. Is there other degrees too? Yeah, there are also second degree and, and, and third degree price discrimination. Jeff, you want to talk a little bit about those? Sure. So with second degree, think of it as everybody gets the same price scheme and the seller just doesn't know what your preferences look like. So the classic example of this would be volume discounts. I could you know, offer someone who's willing to buy a lot of products a lower price per unit than someone who's willing to buy only a few of the items of, uh, of what I'm selling. And then with third degree, I can look at different groups and charge different prices according to the group. So classic example would be student discount prices at a movie theater. Assuming that the movie theaters are ever going to open again. Exactly. Talk to me a little bit about online price discrimination because, you know, obviously it's a big deal that online sellers have a lot of data about their buyers and don't always charge everybody the same price. That's right. I think what people are familiar with is Typically with airlines, I think everyone's actually become comfortable with that practice where an airline for a seat on the same plane, same flight, people all are going to be paying different prices for that seat. But you can imagine that can be broadened out to lots of different products when you think about online sales. So Amazon in particular could potentially charge different prices for the same product depending on who's shopping for that product. But so far, that practice hasn't really taken hold on the retail like it has with, say, airline prices. If we think about price discrimination in the COVID economy, there's been a lot of turmoil this year. What are sellers doing in terms of price discrimination that they might not have done before? So I guess, you know, uh, an example in terms of price discrimination that I think has become well known is with regards to small businesses and their creditors. Uh, so a lot of businesses are, are struggling with, you know, paying their rent, keeping up with payments to their creditors, and the creditors have to make decisions about, which businesses do we extend further lines of credit to, make extensions on due dates for, uh, for loans? Um, and so that would be a form of price discrimination that has become quite common in the last six months. As we sort of head into the, to the, we're taping this in early October, as we head into the rest of the year, we're seeing businesses get more and more stressed. And so this will become increasingly common. 
is price discrimination a good thing or a bad thing? Obviously, the word discrimination has some negative vibes to it, but uh, which way does this cut? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a great question. I think if you're just asking the question, how does price discrimination impact total output? I think price discrimination increases total output because it, it offers the opportunity for people that would otherwise be priced out of a product from buying the product. So in that sense, you know, price discrimination is good for the overall economy and, and overall welfare. Obviously, you know, the term price discrimination ha- has kind of a negative connotation because discrimination is is perceived to be a bad thing. But I just want to remind you that when you think about the amount of income taxes that we pay, there are the, the, we have a progressive income tax in the United States where people that have a higher taxable income pay a higher marginal rate than those with a lower income. We don't call that income tax discrimination. We call that a progressive income tax. So I think maybe if you thought about price discrimination as progressive pricing or something, it would it would overcome that negative connotation. But sure, to the extent that a that a seller is able to charge me a higher price because I'm willing to pay a higher price, that's extracting some surplus from me and perhaps making me not as happy as I would have been if, if I'd have paid a, a lower uniform price. But on the other hand, if I'm one of those customers that would have been priced out of the market and couldn't pay that, that high uniform price, then offering me a lower price commensurate with my own lower value makes me better off. It makes me, it's, it's inclusive because I get a product that I would otherwise be priced out of. So in my own view, price discrimination is a way to include more consumers in the market, not fewer. That's really interesting. If we're looking ahead to the recovery from the COVID recession, is price discrimination gonna be an important way to sort of boost uh, economic growth? And what are the conditions under which it happens? Well, I'll take the first part of that and let Jeff take the second one. I mean, obviously the pandemic has had hugely heterogeneous impacts on on different families and different individuals in in the economy. And what that means is it's it's, it's impacted the willingness to pay of different people differently, right? And so it's a great example where the presence of a uniform price that firms held firm to would preclude those that were adversely affected from the pandemic from participating in that market. To the extent that price discrimination is utilized by businesses as we're moving forward in this economy, it's going to allow more and more businesses and families to participate in the recovery than would be the case if firms just simply held to a uniform price. And so how far can we go with this, Jeff? What, what is, you know, what's the conditions under which price discrimination is acceptable and possible? Yeah, so I think a key thing is the inability to resell. So if you think about what Mike was just describing, you know, if I'm able to price discriminate and I know that some people are hurting so I can offer them a lower price and bring them into the market, that's a good thing. The trick is, you know, if you're doing that and say, you know, you're a business trying to still make some money, so you got to be able to charge the higher price to some other people that can still afford it and pay it. If the people paying the low price can easily resell, then what do, what do we know they'll do? They'll buy a whole bunch at the lower price and turn around and sell it to the to the ones being offered the higher price, make some money on the side. Who can blame them? Who can blame them? Who can blame them for this? Exactly. Who can blame them? Well, and the bad thing is if firms know that's going to happen, they won't price discriminate in the first place. They'll just charge a uniform price because it's the, the arbiter, the person that's engaging in that arbitrage that's going to make the money and not the firm. Exactly. I think what's really interesting here is that price discrimination may turn out to be a really important issue in the COVID recovery. It's a big term, but what you're telling me is that the recovery, the growth will go faster to the degree to which prices can actually 
sellers can actually offer lower prices to people who were hurt. I think that's right. It can really be a win-win in the sense that businesses that successfully engage in price discrimination earn higher profits than they do by charging a uniform price. That puts them in a position where they can better cover the fixed costs of their businesses, cover the costs of operating with lower demand as a result of COVID. So it can allow firms to actually sustain their existence in a way that they might not be able to if they are forced to charge a uniform price. Well, this has been a terrific podcast, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here with me today. Thank you. My pleasure. In this podcast, we talk about price discrimination in the COVID economy. We explain what price discrimination is and give some examples of first, second, and third degree price discrimination. Then we discuss online price discrimination, that is, the use of data to charge different consumers different prices. While that's feasible, we haven't seen much of online price discrimination in practice. One current example of price discrimination in the COVID economy is how small businesses are treated differently by their creditors and landlords. Some businesses get extensions while others are forced into bankruptcy. Then we consider whether price discrimination is a good thing or a bad thing. Price discrimination increases total output and overall welfare because it offers the opportunity for people who would otherwise be priced out of a product. Price discrimination is inclusive because it's a way to include more consumers in the market, not fewer. On the other hand, to the extent that a seller is able to charge some consumers a higher price, that's exacting some surplus from these consumers and perhaps making them not as happy as they would have been. Then we turn to the role of price discrimination in the recovery from the pandemic. Different families and different individuals have been affected by the pandemic in different ways, some very harshly. So to the extent to which price discrimination is utilized by businesses, as we're moving forward, it's going to allow more and more businesses and families to participate in the recovery. Then we talk about the conditions under which price discrimination is possible, namely the inability to resell the product. If the people paying the low price can easily resell, then what will they do? They'll buy a whole bunch at the lower price and turn around and sell it to the ones being offered the higher price. We conclude that the recovery can go faster if sellers can actually offer lower prices to people who are hurt in the pandemic. Moreover, sellers who price discriminate are able to earn higher profits and are more likely to survive, which is good news for everyone. As always, thanks for joining us.